Welcome to another edition of Inside Into the Foxhole. Excuse me. Starring Will Fox here, as always, joined by my brother John. John, how are you? I'm doing well, Will. Good to see you again. Good to be back on the pod. Of course, as always. Exactly. This is episode two of Into the Foxhole, and our special guest today is Garrett Truxis. Garrett, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Fox. Most Foxes, I guess, but thanks for having me. Pretty excited to uh, dive into this Foxhole and bunker down. We're, we're very excited to have Garrett all the way from the magical land of Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And just for future reference, you're going to have to be a little more specific on the Fox pronoun usage. But, you know, it, yeah, true, true. But, uh, you know, we're not all second time podcasters like me and John. Some of this is it's our first time. So, you know, it's just like riding a bike unless you're Steve DeLeo. Um, so, Garrett, you want to talk about what we're going over on the pod today? Yeah. So, um, we're going to talk about uh, Superbad, the, the movie. Him, Seth. No, no problem. I can't imagine what you're going to do without each other next year. Evan told me you didn't get into Dartmouth. You going to miss each other? No, I don't miss each other. Yeah, I'm going to cry myself to sleep every night. Me too. When I'm out partying. Go to school, boys. Bye. Take care of those. I never see you at parties or anything. Saturday was actually a crazy night for me. Seth's parents were throwing this party, like a get-together, cocktail casual. Wow. And then we went to a nightclub. You got in. We got right in. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> you would have loved it. Get my brand new fake ID. Wait, you changed your name to McLovin? Doesn't even have a first name, it just says McLovin! This guy's either gonna think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. I am McLovin. Hello, Mindy. Um, okay. I'm gonna need to see some identification. It makes me feel young again. Ethnically, was he like, uh, like, what? uh, what? African? Af- Af- was he African? Yeah. No, he was like you. He was Jewish. So we have an African Jew wearing a hoodie. Tonight is our last party as high school people. You know when you hear a girl saying like, oh, I was so gone last night, I shouldn't have slept with that guy. We could be that mistake. Engage. Hey, Becca. I love you. I love you. Why don't we say that every day? Why can't we say it more often? I just want to go to the rooftops and scream, I love my best friend, Evan. Boop. You're like the coolest person that's ever talked to me, and I blew it. Come on, you didn't blow it. I think maybe... is bona fide badass um, it was pro- it's probably one of my top five favorite movies uh, just in general not just comedies uh, mainly because of how much I was able to sort of relate to the struggles they uh, you know sort of show and how I sort of felt in high school and then uh, sort of how I like, created some camaraderie around other people that really enjoyed it and uh, how I sort of stuck around in college and how our teammates really enjoyed it um, so it's had like a pretty lasting impact on me, and uh, yeah, I thought it'd be a cool thing to sort of dive into and dissect a bit. Yeah, when John and I got your suggestion for the pod this week, we were both very excited because Garrett 
also for a little backstory, Garrett and I were on the same college lacrosse team uh, for four years. Uh, so that, that that's the college lacrosse team at Haverford College and a beautiful Haverford, Pennsylvania. So that's a little bit of context there. But John and I were very excited because the two choices were super bad and also Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites of the Skrillex album, which especially for kids of our age is a real seminal and kind of like eye-opening album, not only just for what it did for electronic music, but also just for in general how we looked at popular music at that time in our lives. Um, but that's for another podcast. Here we're going to talk about Superbad, the raucous comedy. John, what would you, in a, one word, how would you describe Superbad? It's high school, one word. I don't know how to say <laughs> high school. I mean, it, it's, it's everybody's dream in high school. You know, you watch the movie, you see these three, you have Jonah Hill, you have Michael Sarah, and you have Christopher Mintz-Plasse of course. And these three, these three fellas, it's just, it's, it's the goal. Everybody sees what happens in this movie. Like, Oh, I want something like that to happen to me. So I would say high school, which is ironic because I feel like you're right. Everyone kind of wants something like that to happen. It reminds them of high school, but at the same time, it's like, these guys are dorks. Like you honestly want to be them, but it's just the hilarious like escapades they get in is just like, makes it very, very relatable. And like I say, even though they are kind of like losers for a lot of the movie, it does make you kind of mesh like, man, I just want to be there with like my friends and like, you know, getting, you know, getting yelled at by homeless guys on the bus, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's great. I mean, you have like those opening scenes with where they're just like drinking in Michael Sarah's like family basement. It's just like the three of them. And if that's not like see, some point of senior year high school, then like, what is like that? that, that that's, that's what it's all about. Garrett, you nominated this on the pod. You want to go over a quick little uh, plot uh, recap of uh, what happens to Superbad? Yeah, of course. So, Seth and Evan, uh, you know, best friends all throughout high school. Um, they're, you know, coming to the graduation and they're ended up, they're actually going to different schools. Uh, you know, Evan got to Dartmouth and is a little bit more academic driven uh, than Seth, whereas Seth is looking to go to state. And, you know, <laughs> the anonymous state. Yeah. Do we know what school he goes to? Is it just state? state. <laughs> I think it's just state. Just state. <laughs> but, um, and, and then they got, you know, the third wheel, you know, their other buddy, uh, Fogel, who is sort of just a wild card. Uh, he's also going to Dartmouth, and there's a little bit of tension between, you know, between Fogel and Seth. Um, you know, Seth's upset that, the, you know, these two friends that he has are going to college together, and he's left, left out. Um, so, he you know, he wants to make the best out of their, you know, their last moments together in high school. And, uh, you know, talking to girls and, and, you know, going to high school and, go to class or whatever they find out that there's going to be a party and uh basically they offer to uh, obtain alcohol for this party and these are just two you know nerdy type of guys that like you guys said like to drink together in their basement uh, is, uh you know not going to the popular parties uh stuff like that so this is new to them and it sort of just follows along you know their path of trying to obtain this alcohol for the party and getting to the party and um, you know, sort of the emotional connection they have along the way. And it's a lot of like, a, you know, a lot of bromance type of stuff and, and, you know, hanging with your best friends before you guys leave and go on another journey. And I just love the fact that, um, you know, it shows just so many real aspects of what I went through in high school and I, what I think a lot of other boys and men went through in high school. And uh, so anyway, you know, to cap that all off, they, they end up going to the party and, uh, they end up having a really great time and, and it all ends happy and, you know, they end up being friends at the end. But it's just like a long story of conflict and uh, trying to find their place in, in society also. 
And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much a, a general plot of the whole thing. Yeah, and I think I was just like, right when you started, I just was like reminded again by, you know, the character's name, Seth and Evan. Uh, as you guys like know, this is uh, was written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. And it was written like, obviously, they are is kind of written as they are the characters there written from their experience, uh, you know, in a lot of in a lot of the high school scenes, they, they you know, draw on a lot of their uh, collective high school background to come up with that, uh, which kind of does speak to kind of the universe universality of the movie. Uh, it's just like rooted in actually, you know, high school kind of connections palling around. Um, but it is, I always, a couple things I was, a couple things I always think about with Superbad. One, it's kind of interesting how like the majority of the action takes place before the party, which is just like, you know, Garrett and I have done this so many times, having partied together. I say as I've got the let's rock symbol. Like, I know this is a vi- this isn't a visual medium, but I will be doing a lot of let's rock <laughs> symboling and a lot of fist pumping during this uh, podcast. Um, but like Garrett and I were, you know, definitely you know, we would party together. We would throw parties, hang out at other parties and stuff like that. And it is sometimes fun seeing that like build up to the party and the, the, you know, the shenanigans that go on before the actual, you know, the actual main event of the evening and how sometimes those can be like their own challenges and fun. Uh, so it's like, I always think of super bad as being the movie that talks about before the party, kind of thinking about a movie that came out around the same time. Hangover is the movie about what happens after the party. And the movie that happens during the party is project X. All these movies that kind of like came out around like similar time. It's a small little thesis. I have them, you know, workshopping at different graduate <laughs> programs across the state. Uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think that's a really good comparison with all three of those. You get like the full scope of, of a night event before middle and after and yeah no, i actually never thought about that before that's good connection we're, we're we're all about bringing in those connections on the podcast <laughs> this, is, this is you know we, we we're recording our voices not only because we like this and like to share with other people but because we know someday years from now scholars <clears throat> will examine our texts and our writing so uh yeah we definitely have an academic approach to all this i would say scientific you know, scientific exactly like the sir francis process. bacon himself <laughs> um yeah and uh, it's just uh, and the other thing i think is funny about the movie is that the movie originally was supposed to be written intended to be from the cops point of views um slater and what's the other cops mike slater's and michael's it's supposed to be from their point of view which honestly i would see that movie a million times out of a million also yeah just because like uh seth rogan and uh seth rogan and bill Hader just do such a great job with those characters uh John, you're still in college. How do you think this, like, well, I mean, I guess you were closer to high school than both of us. How do you think this relates to your high school, college experiences? I mean, just the whole, I think the whole aspect of them getting the booze, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's every, like, the visions that, uh, that, uh, Jonah Hill as Seth has when he's like in the store trying to purchase. <laughs> it's just like, and just trying to take the alcohol is, is wonderful because every high school kid is, when they've had to go by, they go in, they're shaking. Like, no, no kid is confident. Like, who goes in confident? Like, you're crazy. But, I mean, that's 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 the one aspect that I think really relates to the high school experience. Because outside of that, it's a whole lot of, uh, you know, crazy situations that they get themselves in, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had a ride-along with two cops after getting, yeah. like, after them taking my fake ID and trying to have them take them under my wing. So, I don't think that's necessarily a universal <laughs> yeah. part, but it's definitely something that, you know. 
I don't know. It's definitely fun to watch the whole Fogel. The Fogel storyline uh, might have the most jokes per capita of the whole uh, plot, movie, whatever. It's just, I just think Hater, Hater, and uh, Seth Rogen do a phenomenal job of the. <laughs> I mean, those are two iconic character characters, and and Slaters and Michaels, and it, it's it's phenomenal the back and forth that they have. You know, from the scenes where they're at the bar. Never so. meet, never meet a woman at a bar. <laughs> 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 like it's 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 great and then of course the scene where they like crash the party in the end is just like and they're with Vogel like yeah we knew you were in high school the entire time like, like what <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love how uh, you know to go back a little bit when they're in that bar um, you know, right before they leave they're like can I get like 11 beers to go <laughs> 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 uh, you know and, and then the other thing, the thing that I always think about from the party when they crash it is just Bill Hader um, just dancing uh, to the like, music that they had to uh, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> what? And, the cops are here. <laughs> yeah, so like, the, I thought like, it was so cool to have them as a compliment to the main storyline of, you know, of Seth and Evan. Um, and like the other cool thing, I, I think that they tried to sort of normalize um, – police officers and like you know these guys were high schoolers before um you know they're probably drinking with their buddies and you know their parents basically when they're younger and i think like you know with how the current climate is in general you know they, there's a lot of bad rap uh, that goes for police officers and i think they, they did a really good job of showing the lighter side of how like they're still you know they still want people to have fun or whatever some of them do and like this was a really cool way to show it yeah, yeah. There, if there's one th- if there's one thing I can say about the Omaha Police Department is they they remind me a lot of Slater and Michaels. <laughs> like they're not when they come when they come in to bust the parties, whatever they're going down. They're they're not coming in guns blazing. They just sort of like walk in. They're like, yeah, like just just come on, guys. <laughs> it's more of like I, I hate to do it. Like I don't want to be spending my night like ruining these parties. Cause, you know, I like I, I, I was this person one day. I guess like, so. You know. It, that's that's where I related to the college experience. Our uh, our campus safety, uh, we didn't have actual police people patrolling yeah. our campus because we like to think of Haverford College as the U.S. Embassy. <laughs> you know, you just step on and you can do whatever you want. You're you're essentially like you're in international waters. <clears throat> but we had one uh, campus safety officer, Garrett, and I had a lot of like hilarious memories of. The, the best was uh, we got kicked out of our basement, like making too much noise. Everyone was like outside, like kind of waiting, seeing what do we do? Do we go back in the basement? This was like when we were throwing a party. So they're probably like, you know, a hundred some people outside on our front yard. And nice, the nice, two, nice. I know, right? More fist pumping. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> That's cool. No, that's, that's pretty sick. That was the whole story. Yeah. That, that, I, I just, just wanted to point that out there. I just wanted to let everybody know, like, hundreds of people showed up. Like, hundreds. Anyway, so the two campus safety officers are coming out of the basement, and one of them is really mad. This, like, a shorter woman is really mad. She's kind of, like, saying, like, get out of my way. And, like, someone was, like, smoking, like, smoking a joint, like, on the bench over by, the over by like, our apartment. And the woman just yells out, put out that cigarette. And the campus safety guy behind comes straight up and just goes like like he's doing it for an audience <laughs> that ain't no cigarette <laughs> <laughs> so it is it is I, I like that you bring that up Garrett because like the, the the kind of relationship you can have with the police like especially in like this small town or like college setting it definitely can be hit or miss and when you got guys like Michaels and Slater uh it just 
it, it adds to it like, one it like makes things better i think like they can handle crowds or handle people better but uh in general it just makes for a much more fun atmosphere and fun kind of like recollection um and i just even like even though like we can like relate so much to what they're going through and stuff like that i don't know if like anyone can relate to like jonah hill's character in this because <laughs> seth is just ridiculous and i i was just kind of like thinking of like it's crazy how looking at how far jonah hill has come as an actor from that point i mean it was to be fair 13 years ago but this is a two-time academy award like nominated and i believe winning i I believe he won didn't he win one for uh wolf of wall street i I think so yeah yeah and and like the wolf of wall street um acting performance was incredible you know his like i thought his war dogs acting uh was incredible like his ability to fluctuate weights and sizes and characters is absolutely incredible and he definitely like could have gotten stuck in um you know that same type character where he's like the funny fat guy yeah um, you know i i think there's another movie i mean he was in get him to the greek he was like kind of a funny fat loser there too forgetting sarah marshall he like did such a fantastic job of sort of progressing his career after that i think it's really awesome well, yeah, especially we all think of like the big springboard being Moneyball, of course. Moneyball, I think, was when a lot of people like on the internet, on the national stage were kind of like, oh, wait, like this guy, he's got something like he, he has some acting chops and he was nominated for, I believe, Best Sporting Actor for that. I don't think he won, but uh, you're right. It's just like he he could have easily gone like one of two ways. Like he could have. And this is in no way a slight of this man because he's one of my favorite actors, but he could have chosen to be the co- sort of Jack Black for the rest of his career, you know doing those kind of roles and like, you know, you know, saying is that kind of like, I don't want to say dorky, but that kind of like, you know, pudgier guy who's got like, you know, a lot of energy and stuff like that. And, you know, generally adds to a comedic cast. He could have stayed in that lane all he wanted, but he's like, no, like I'm, I'm, I, I, I think I can either, either he has the most drive in the world or he's got the most ambitious agent in the world. Cause something like something definitely like switched. And he's like, and even like after he was doing these good performances and these like serious performances, he still dips in comedy, obviously like with 21, 22 jump street. This is the end, which is one of my favorite Ooh. Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> the whole like he, he acts like he's an angel but he's just a demon the entire time like, <laughs> phenomenal the exorcism scene from yeah. that movie is oh. hilarious oh is it is it <laughs> is, is it compelling <laughs> is it Jay <laughs> like, yeah no I, I mean yeah I mean from his early from like his earliest stuff like even I don't know if you guys remember the scene where he's in 40 year old virgin where he he's like the eBay customer he's just like a weird yeah. eBay customer hilarious all the way up to present like Dang, you you just look at the roles he's been in, and I, including Superbad, I love his role as well as Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he's gross. just obsessed with uh, like Russell uh, Brand, Russell Brand the entire time. Hilarious. Yeah, uh, so it's it's definitely been like kind of a treat uh, seeing him. Also, an underrated great role in one of my underrated favorite movies is him as Dewey Cox's brother in Walk Hard, the Dewey <laughs> Cox story, who got macheted in half <laughs> when they're. You know, this isn't going to hill, but they're going to the shed as kids. And he's just like, let's go play with machetes. Ain't nothing bad going to happen today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. And, like, you couldn't pick out a better foil for Jonah Hill than, obviously, uh, Michael Sarah. Yeah. And Michael Absolutely. And it's just, like, it's, like, you the, the classic, like, oddball, um, classic oddball pairing. And 
Well, one of my favorite Sarah parts in this is when they're when uh, what's this called? Uh, when Fogel is coming back from his job and he's got the vest on and he's getting ready to buy the beer because he's got the fake ID. <laughs> yeah. And the vest is like obviously Jonah Hill rips into him and you know is giving him the business. But then Michael Sarah afterwards like take that vest off. You look like Aladdin. This <laughs> is the best burns you're gonna get out of Michael Sarah ever. Yeah, his his uh his like burns and throughout the entire movie are given in such like a straight face like same tone voice that just makes it hilarious like right below the left like sort of like behind the scenes almost where you got like Jonah being pretty loud and and almost obnoxious with his comedy like it's just an awesome compliment. Well, how great is when how great is the moment when he's describing his night to Jules or not to Jules to uh Becca Becca. to Becca. Drinks and we got to talk to a man who claimed he had climbed three. We we were hanging out with an older crowd last night. It was it was uh, it was really refreshing. <laughs> uh, and then obviously, just I mean that we could talk about that scene forever. But like one thing that like <laughs> one thing that one of our friends Garrett Connor Braun has uh, has adapted into his natural mode of speaking and of acting is whenever he does something, doing the Fogel lift up the shirt at the bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, iconic scene. Iconic scene. Yeah, and then so it. But it, like I was saying, it's hilarious that they found someone that like is acting more pathetic than uh, Michael Sarah than uh, Evan <laughs> in the movie. But then they find it obviously in Christopher Mint as, as, uh, as Fogel, AKA for some of our less informed uh, view, our listeners, McLovin. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's the impact that that character has had on, on our culture. On one word. Just McLovin. 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 From Hawaii, of course. And like, what, what, what's his age on the ID? 25. Like 25. Because, you know, they wouldn't expect it, you know, obviously. Well, it's, it, it just comes down to here at the end of the day. Do you think this is just another 17-year-old trying to buy booze underage? Or do I think this is McLovin, a 25-year-old organ donor from Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. And like, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, talking about how it's like spawned into other popular you know media stuff i mean kids creating the fake id with Vogel's face on it that <laughs> says mclovin and actually using it to get into bars i think is one of the coolest things that could come out of like a movie ever um, yeah and like yeah and, like, and another thing that i like absolutely love uh just like going right into when he starts buying trying to buy the alcohol uh, <laughs> you know he goes in puts the beer down <laughs> Well, yeah, like a classic move that I think I said, like, at least from friends of mine is the you leave the ID in the wallet, like, because you act like, oh, I'm getting ID would again. Let me exactly. go reach my wallet because, you know, I, I, that's a this move. never happened. Like, oh, like, it's the, like you give like a little bit of surprise when they ask for the ID. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's a classic move to check anything you can do to try and convince them that you're of age, you know. Well, where did you uh, where did you go to pick up your underage liquor? Uh, here, foremost liquors. What? Yeah, that is crazy. Also, what? we have to 
uh, a reminder, listeners, because this is happening in the COVID-19 outbreak, we are at home right now, so we might not want to incriminate ourselves yeah. too much I'm with sure. our... We're 21. We are 21. We're all 21 here. I buy... I, let's No, when I'm 21, I buy it foremost liquors <laughs> off of Lake and Green Bay. When I know? turned 21, the first thing I did. <laughs> like, yeah, but I bought that. Um what about you? Where were you at? We went to Basil's Food and Liquor oh, out down in Rogers it. Park, right yeah. next to the Candlelight, uh, the Candlelight Theater, yeah. or no, the Candlelight Lounge, uh, which like the 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 facade for the Candlelight Lounge is like the leg, you know, the leg lamp from A Christmas Story. Yeah, that's like what the facade is. It's like a long like leg, like with the fishnets, <laughs> and it was worn by the best Armenian dudes around. There was always, whenever you walk in the back, there was always one guy, old guy, who was just sitting at the TV watching, like, the news. <laughs> it was, like, for some reason, it could be any time of day, but he'd just be watching, like, the weather report on the news, and then he'd talk to the Armenian guys, you know, dap them up, get your mics hard, get your, you know, your 40s and your four locos and stuff like that, and you bowl, so. <laughs> yeah. Gary, you guys have a place back in, uh, back in Bucks? Yeah, I, uh, when I was uh, when I was like eighteen, nineteen, I used to just go to like Italian restaurants that sold six packs. <laughs> you know, they don't really care too much. Um, also, PA has some of the wor- uh, like strictest and yeah. hardest alcohol laws in the United States. Um, so, you know, getting hard alcohol was pretty much a, a non-factor uh, <laughs> because they would. You know, wine and spirits is pretty serious. That's our alcohol. Um, that's the only place you can buy, you know, hard alcohol. And uh, they would, you know, they would lock the doors if, if you got caught and you were underage. So people didn't really mess with that. So you would, you, you would kind of just, you know, just, you know, sift around a little bit, you know, find your buddy Dominic's uh, Italian restaurant. Six packs. <laughs> Wait, they would they lo- shut you in. They would they lock would you, in? you in there. Yeah, yeah. So you take your ID, you know, they, they scan or whatever. If it didn't scan or something went wrong, they locked the doors to the wine and spirits and the cops would come. Was there, was there like a button that they pressed and everything locked down? It was, was like, just like, like door shut, you know? Wee, wee, wee. You know? I'm not sure. I'd imagine that the cash person, the cash register person just rushed to the door. <laughs> so I would love to see a race for that door. <laughs> oh my God. That is one of the most unabashedly, like, dick moves that a like liquor store can do and i love it it's like the uh bars and i mean they do this a lot of bars at like big uh, like in college towns across the country but uh like the bars at notre dame are notorious for swiping your fake id and then selling it back to you for 30 bucks <laughs> that's gold <laughs> exactly so uh uh which, it, it, like i said like us just jiving and talking about like jiving jive talking jiving Jiving, jiving and riding. Jiving and riding. Well, it's just, I'm just, us just jive talking about like fake IDs and like trying to like hustle booze any way you can. It's just like, it's a beautiful thing that like when you are at this point in your life and alcohol is not readily available, like the tiniest little thing just as like picking up a fifth of vodka and like a case is like, it's, it becomes the biggest thing. And that's one of the things I think this movie does phenomenally is it amplifies the small things that seem so large in high school, like trying to text the girl you're trying to hook up with, like trying to get like beer and liquor, like, you know, trying to like break it to your friend that you're rooming with your other friend at Dartmouth. Like, it's like, it's, it like amplifies perfectly these things that like, seem gigantic in the moment but when you take like a step back you're like this is fucking hilarious why the fuck do they like care about this yeah it's, it's awesome it's like uh 
I don't know if you guys have ever you got like the, you're like 18 and you're in high school and you get that text of who's buying tonight like yeah, yeah. and it's like like and you just it just sits there for like an hour like nobody <laughs> responds like you there's just been consistent talk in the group chat for like a good like couple hours and then somebody throws that down stop quiet. you know it goes it go it goes quiet you know? well it's also like the uh uh like the classic like you get to the you get to the party before like the alcohol actually shows up. <laughs> yeah. So like you show up and you're like, oh, is the alcohol here yet or whatever? Well, you want to, you want to incline the listeners to your old Instagram name and bio. Uh, so like I was, uh, I was a menace uh, in <laughs> high school and not in like the cool way and just the annoying way uh, where I had a very, like I had a very fluid Instagram name <laughs> where I would change it like a lot. Uh, so one time, like there was a big deal about like, obviously the biggest deal is, oh no, no taking pictures of the parties. You don't want like, you know, you don't want cans to show up in yeah. the pictures on Facebook. College, you see that stuff. Well, you that's know? the thing is that one of our friends, Katie Taylor, um, was, she was getting recruited for soccer uh, and stuff like that. And like one time there were like, I don't know, someone took some pictures of us at a party and a lot of the people in our group chat were, if you guys are listening, still love you, uh, everyone. <laughs> but a lot of people <laughs> were, just, were just like, oh, my gosh. Like, are you guys serious? Colleges can see this. <laughs> <laughs> so in the span of, like, a week, like, everyone, all the guys in our group chat, like, changed their Instagram names to colleges can see this. Well, no. Years and then another one is that an- I'm saying that was one of my yeah. names. Another one I would do was I changed my name to is the alcohol hall here yeah because that was just such a classic like sentiment in high school is you get to the party you're at like someone's like you go to high school is one of like the few times where you could go to like a decently like intimate like small party of like under 20 people but you still don't really know the host that well you're just kind of like oh, i guess i just kind of have to be here so then you get there you don't really know anyone you're talking to your one friend and then you're asking the host constantly uh is the alcohol here yet? <laughs> or you hear rumblings of people like oh, is the alcohol here yet yeah. no but it's on its way. No, but it's, was that my bio? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, I, if you were to look back on his old Instagram, you could see just comments on his photos. Of, uh, like, no, tagging. but it's on the way. <laughs> and just like, yeah. So like that. That is like one of the. That is like one of the great universal uh, things. And, and like, and yeah. it's shown in this movie when you have like, I'm pretty sure don't you have the scene where Emma Stone's character uh, Jules is like calling them like, hey, where's the alcohol at? Yeah, like, is the alcohol like here? Yeah. Is the alcohol here? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's just like it takes like the it's funny because like it does like they do the we can't say I don't think we can say enough about the cutscenes of like Jonah Hill's um, imagination, like imagining what it's like um, stealing or take not stealing, but taking like the old lady. Like, (laughs) it's just like, do you want me to buy what? That would be great. (laughs) Like, Have fun in your remaining years. And she's like, have fun fucking juice. <laughs> yeah. I will. <laughs> That's like that another just like tiny another tiny meme in the friend group is whenever someone says, Oh, you should do that, just going, I will. <laughs> but it is like funny because those do like go through your head. Like it is so great in that he is literally thinking of the worst case scenarios, or like he's just thinking of ridiculous scenarios and stuff like that. Like what was it when he pulls out that'll be eighty dollars and he pulls out the eighty dollar bill. 
<laughs> but, but it is like so funny because those are and like you know the scene when he's running from the cop and dies and <laughs> the cop's just like don't do it son and he's just the close-up on his face i never had a choice <laughs> it's just like those yeah. like th- those are like the irrational thoughts that run through your head when you're trying to quote unquote break the law yeah. uh, so uh and then like and then obviously the follow-through with that scene with Christopher Mintz actually going in there and buying it, you know, I as you said, Garrett, I hear they added more hops to this. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the unsung heroes in all of comedy is the janitor at the uh at the at the liquor store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sir, did you do this? <laughs> no. So someone should do something about this. <laughs> Exactly, and everyone's just like, same, dude, and then same. If, and then if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, he does show up to the adult party that, that they go <laughs> to, does. I believe. I believe he comes in, like, with, with like, the alcohol, and he, he, he's going pretty hard. Yeah, no, again, a, a great unsung uh, hero. Um, but, and then that scene is where we're in, you're introduced to Slater and Michaels um, after <laughs> Vogel <laughs> gets punched, which now I'm just thinking of the scene where they, like, go over the videotape in the bar, I think, and it's just the rewind of Vogel getting just completely decked, like, roundhoused <laughs> by the punch. Um, but <clears throat> I don't think there's anything funnier than the interaction that Michaels and Slater's have with the cashier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a goddamn veterinarian exam. <laughs> yeah, trying to explain what the, uh, you know, what the suspect looks like. Like, five foot six feet, like, you know, like, Stop. Ethnicity. does he look like us? Like, the man with the frown, like... I love that part. So he's a so he's a six foot African Jew, <laughs> uh, which is I mean it just like it like already like off the bat before you they even like interact with Michaels and like with uh with a uh, Fogel I should say like you already get a sense of what like kind of a joke these guys are just in the way they're handling this very like routine <laughs> interaction uh, and like the you know obviously the great scene when Fogel hands over the ID. Mm-hmm. And it slow mos and they start talking to each other. And I think it's hater is just like, you're an organ donor. <laughs> you know, that's what Michaels is always saying, you know, leave it to uh, my wife made me do it. And, you know, leave it to them. Even after you're dead, they're still trying to rip you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I love that. Like, just the, you know, you can sort of imagine the anticipation that, like, Focus character feels and, like, being in that same way where, like, maybe you think you're about to get in trouble for something in high school and then they say something completely different and you get off and it's just like this wave of like almost like just being scared goes away and that's basically what they did in that and i thought in that scene i thought that was really awesome also you can feel that kind of like that relief follows through to confidence with which follows through to like kind of informs all of Vogel's decisions for the rest of like the afternoon the evening because he's already kind of confident he's like well i've gotten this far (laughs) Um, I was also just thinking about all like the characters together and I was, you know, remembering other scenes and what kind of strikes me is that like, and I think this happens a lot in some comedies that are early on, but like how you can get such like a star studded cast before a lot of these guys get really, really huge. And I think that's one thing that like super bad got like obviously capitalized on huge. Another kind of movie that did that, that we talked about was forgetting Sarah Marshall. But if you like go down the list of like, 
huge stars in this movie. You've got Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, Bill Hader, Seth Rogen, Emma Stone. And then even if you look at like some of like the supporting acts with like there's a scene with Danny McBride in it that's uncredited. You think about the gym scene where you yeah. see Dave Franco. Dave Franco. <laughs> the soccer scene. People don't forget. people don't forget <laughs> yeah and that's that that's the uh, the scene of just jonah hill walking running on to on into the gym class punting the ball and just yelling she wants my dick she wants my dick <laughs> in and around in her mouth well, or the, which is all, I think it's, I can't remember if it's preceded by, but followed by the, uh, the greatest, one of the greatest quotes in, uh, in movie history, which is, which is Emma Stone saying, you know, like, you know, uh, Evan, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. <laughs> See, the funny thing about my back, Jules, is it's located right on my dick. <laughs> which you couldn't yeah, like, you could, you could, you, uh, you could, I mean, obviously they didn't write it, but you couldn't write it better than that. Um, and I think obviously like just some of the strings of jokes I've said, it's like one of the reasons why this movie's awesome is that it, I think it captures vulgarity as a high schooler pitch perfect. Yes, I agree. Like it's, just enough, just like enough where they're using, you know, like penis and, and vagina and stuff like that, like terms that are not exactly ex- like extremely harmful or, mm-hmm. um, you know, ex- extremely explicit. It's more of like uh adolescence uh type of comedy there which like even it makes it even funnier i think yeah which like it does make it funnier and i think that's like the thing is that like you have to like acknowledge it just because that is a part of being in high school like i know like me personally like when i got to high school like there's a lot more like i went from a very very small grade school to a larger high school so there's obviously less like supervision when you're in high school so there's kind of like a freedom like i just remember my vocabulary just getting a little like more and more kind of like body and definitely like explicit as you move from like eighth grade to high school and stuff like that. And it also has to do with you're literally at some point, you're a 14 year old around an 18 year old, which is kind of like crazy that those two like demographics just like pass by each other in the hall. Like I was passing by like, uh, what's his face? Some, uh, who's our quarterback? Oh, Jack Penn. No, not Jack Penn. I knew Penn. Oh yeah, uh, lacrosse. Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not we. Was it we? No. Oh wait, because he was he was only a year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like Marquise, who was the big wide receiver on the team. Julius, who was the running back, and all these oh, guys. Malcolm, Malcolm Weaver. Malcolm yeah. Weaver is who I'm, I'm friends with him on Facebook still. <laughs> or, but like I say, you're like interacting with these people that are like so much older than you and stuff like that. So you're like vocabulary. You naturally like latch onto an 18 year old vocabulary, and like I don't think I like. I just, this took me back to a vivid memory of on one of my lacrosse bus trips. I think I was a junior in high school. Um, We'd have these bus trips and like, like one time we'd have to do a bus trip to Detroit, which is like, I think it was like six to eight hours or something like that. So we bring some movies and one of the movies we brought on was super bad. And I don't think the coaches understood how like explicit it was until the first scene is them, them literally talking about what porn site they're going to (laughs) buy. And this isn't like a throwaway line. Like they literally talk about this for like like three minutes. And my coaches literally after like the third minute just took it off. We're like, nope, we're watching Slapshot again. <laughs> uh, so it's like Yeah, little would he know the penis scene was coming up soon enough too, so you know. You mean in the movie? Yeah, in the movie. Uh, the penis scene is so good. It's a classic. That's a scene. great scene to talk about. Yeah, I mean I mean you have young you've young Seth and young <laughs> and young Becca. Young Becca. It's <laughs> just like it's like one in every like ten thousand kids have it. Like I mean like <laughs> Which is also funny just because it is like 
that's such like a thing where you can remember your high school friend, like you hanging out with the girl, even if you're like not trying to hook up with her, but you're just like friends with her and stuff like that. There's always one guy who's just like, nah, she's like a bitch. And you're just like, wait, why is she like, why is she a bitch? And he's like, nah, she's a bitch. And you like have to dig at it. And of course it gets back to something embarrassing like this. Yeah. For like a little childhood experience. That's like, that's just marring to them, you know? Exactly. And like the weird juxtaposition in high school of there are people in your high school who you have literally gone to school with since you were like three years old. I know that was the case for me and you, John. And like probably the case for me too. Exactly. Like so they're definitely like what what was your what what was your um uh, was Germantown a K through twelve? Yep, K okay. through twelve Ooh. and I uh, I got there in fourth grade, so yeah, exactly. pretty much the whole time. But yeah, it was you know, lifelong people that you're there when before you hit puberty and after you hit puberty. Yeah. Exactly. So someone so someone is there to see you drawing dicks in the in the notebook. <laughs> everybody has the dicks in their notebook. Yeah, what it is, it's different for everybody, but it's there. Somebody knows about it. Someone's there. That does a good job. Yeah. I was gonna say, or you're drawing them in one of your buddies' notebooks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, classic. That's great, great tactic, Garrett. I'm gonna write that one down for next time. <laughs> um which kind of like, I guess, brings in another point is talking about like, I guess, the role women have in the movie. Obviously, it's a very like, because the main characters, like, you would say, like, if we're talking about the five people, Slater, Michaels, Fogel, Seth, and Evan, all dudes. And obviously, like, their main, the main like plot revolves around trying to hook up with women and stuff like that. And it's obviously from a male perspective. But it's I just think it's so interesting, like, also getting, like, the glimpses you get into Jules and Becca and stuff like that. Like, the classic, like, Becca driving, like, and they're all like, ooh, like, what about, like, uh, Evan or whatnot and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, just the, like, the cut, the cutting in and out, like, of uh, him trying to have the conversation with uh, Michael Sarah or her trying to have the conversation with Michael Sarah. Um, but I was just kind of, like, thinking of, like, what do you, like, do you think that, you know. It is 2020. We we are, John, we talked about being ethical producers. We are ethical. So we have to ask the tough questions, which is like, what do you think? Do you think super bad, like the role of women in super bad? Like, how do you think they approach it? Do you think they approach it the right? Obviously, the two main screenwriters are, like I said, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, also guys. So, you know, it's tough. It could seem like from the outside, very tough to get into that perspective. What's the, uh, the new movie that just came out like this last year with us? Jonah Hill's sister is like the star of it. They say it's the female oh, super. It's bad. supposed to be like super bad. Oh, like, book smart. Uh, is it book, book smart? smart? Book smart. Yeah. I mean, the way I, I mean, that also probably helps justify it, especially since Jonah Hill's sister is playing. I had no clue that was it. It's like playing the female version of Jonah Hill in it, <laughs> which is pretty great. But I mean, um, I don't know. I just like it's 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 the male it's the male high school perspective, and, and that's what it's trying to portray. And like, so like the role of women, like. Uh, in that movie, for that instance, like it's obviously not very fairly represented, but like it's, it's, the, it's the it's the you're going off of the like the their experience in high school, and since it's like pretty much off of their experience, if that's what it was, that's what it was. Yeah, and I guess the thing is that like all they can really ask for, uh, you know, uh, because like said the main showrunners, like I mean, I guess the one thing they can ask for is bring more like you know female writers on set or whatnot to try yeah. and get that perspective, which I guarantee you they have. But I guess the thing that, that you can just ask is that like okay, when you do portray like when you do like dip into those female kind of like story arcs, it's just like just being like respectful and trying to be like as I don't know, like as holistic as you can, even if you're not gonna focus on them. And I think that they gave like Becca and Jules good 
characters. I really like, especially like Jules comes across as a very, very strong, good character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I also think um, they do a good job of almost juxtaposing Becca with Seth. Um, you know, like Becca is trying to hook up with Evan when she's, you know, blackout drunk at the end. And like, that's what she's excited, like, excited to do. Seth is trying to hook up with Jules blackout drunk. Like, I think they almost sort of like have opposite. You think they're the, you know, the mirror picture of each other almost like yep. in that scene. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think if, if the movie had focused a bit more on, yeah, Jules and Becca's relationship and what they were doing before the party, stuff like that, it, you know, might have come off similarly or like yeah, almost a mirror of what we saw from Seth and Evan. Yeah, which is a good point. You're right that like they. We don't obviously you're right. We don't get that good of a, like a look into it, but at least in the hookup scenes, there is that great kind of dichotomy in terms of like obviously who's like who's pushing who who is kind of like pushing the issue, who's being the aggressor, who's kind of like taking initiative in that case, and who's kind of being more passive and stuff like that. Um, and I think like obviously like and I think the the movie does a great way of not portraying like either kind of instance. Like it doesn't portray the people who are trying to like you know, initiate kind of the action as negative, just like as regular high school kids who are just trying to like figure this kind of stuff out and not like malicious in any way and stuff like that. So when it's like, you know, Seth really trying to go and hook up with Jules or when it's Becca really, really trying to, you know, hook up with, uh, with Evan, like it doesn't, it's never like malicious. It's more just like, if anything, and I don't think it really portrays it this way. If anyway, it's just looked as like high school kind of like mistakes or like, Oh, this is like, first time kind of stuff or whatever yeah it's high school it's high school it's that you have like it's the nerds in high schools trying to get the girl i mean it's a classic movie story classic I movie mean, trope know, it's classic teen romance it's an trope, 80s you know? comedy <laughs> <laughs> it's been done yeah, it's yeah exactly ends, revenge, ends of time, revenge you know? of the nerds american pie whatever like yeah, exactly. like exactly which i think girl next door exactly girl next, next door, door um which Coming to guy, think about it. You know, Garrett and I like say on the, on the same lacrosse team. Possibly the greatest lacrosse movie of all time, American Pie. Wow. Yeah. So, what do you think? Like, how do you think? Like, just thinking of that movie as you could think of it maybe as a spiritual predecessor to, um, in some ways, a spiritual predecessor to Knocked Up or not Knocked Up, Super Bad. Um, like, how do you think like those movies compare? At least in the portrayals of the guys in those scenes, because I think like. The Superbad, or not Superbad, I'm mixing up all the titles, guys. It's my second podcast. I had to get it together. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You got the yips. I got the yips. Um, No, I think that the thing about American Pie is it definitely kind of borrows more from those, like, 80s, 90s, like, Porky's kind of comedies of, like, the guys trying to hook up with the girls where it seems like, I don't know, just the fact that they're, like, all in on together, like, packed, it seems like a little bit kind of more, for lack of a better word, kind of, like, regressive where it's just, like, they're just after it for, like, this kind of goal. Well, I think I think with this movie, it's because, like, American Pie is all about the, the hookup. It's all about the This hookup. one, you know, it starts out with, the, oh, we got to get there because it's all about... Evan getting with Becca, obviously. But that's also that's also because that's the whole thing throughout high school. He's always had a crush on her, stuff like that. And then as well as, I mean, you it starts out as just like, oh, we got to get there for the women, but then it like doesn't touch on that again until really, the end, until they get to the party. Actually, and if anything, it's just touched on to like kind of further bring out the storyline between yeah, Seth, and, Seth and Evan, yeah. like which I think obviously is the main relationship that is kind of. That's the lifeblood of the movie. 
is their relationship. They're playing off each other. And I think whenever they talk about like the hookups in the in that like kind of middle part, yeah. I think it's just to bring out more of that relationship. It's to bring out the conflict between them that we that uh Gary was talking about earlier, you know, the whole conflict that has them things arguing about the whole college thing and everything like that. It just adds adds some more fuel to the flame. Exactly. Gary, what do you think about like the comparison between the comparison I made so boldly and which will probably get added to the Wikipedia page because it was just such an insightful comment of (laughs) of Superbad and it's like maybe spiritual predecessor in American Pie. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what Superbad did was take took away a little bit of like the raunchiness, the the sex crazy boy type stuff and made it. Almost more of a bromance, like even more bromancy and more friendship um, driven. Yep. And I think that like helped it make like make it more of a like it's not a serious movie by any means, but definitely I think is taken more seriously than American Pie. Um, oh yeah. And like and then and like you know American Pie is also you know the whole series of all those movies are so entertaining, like extremely fun to watch. Uh, but I, I get like almost more of an emotional connection to Superbad because mm-hmm. I just think that it. It, it dips down a little bit deeper into like real, real emotions. Whereas like American Pie is giving you some more of the shock value of what goes on, um, you know, before you go into college, going into college. Um, so I think it, like that's how it works. Uh, but I think like it's something really, really interesting to me um, is also that whole adult party that they go to um, I think that's like a completely like it takes the movie to like a different level almost and shows like you know after college and like what it could be you know what it could be for people that maybe don't grow up or something like that um, and like I think American Pie is almost like more similar to that after party where it's like a bunch of guys that want to just keep the party going forever and like post college and um yeah, I think that's where they like really link together pretty well. Yeah, that's a great link. Yeah, that's that, that's that's phenomenal. That's the kind of great <laughs> like, A analysis. You know. That's why that is why we vet our guests yeah, beforehand. Exactly. That's why we do an intensive screening process. It's for that kind of shit nah. right there, Gary. And, and I feel like especially the lie detector test was uh, was just for me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's why I feel like also with Superbad in comparison to American Pie. Superbad, you connect with the characters. American Pie. I don't think you ever really get that. Stifler. Like, like, no, like, like, come on. It's, it's like, maybe I was in the wrong crowd in high school or something like that. But like the whole, I think you can, so you can connect and you sort of, you, you get to grow to like appreciate the characters in super bad. And then in American pie, you, you know, like the names of them, but it's just like, uh, like you don't, you're not invested in any singular really character in that movie. Yeah. No, and I think that one of the important things that kind of like Garrett kind of brought up talking about like the key, the friendship kind of weaving it together is that the reason why I think you stay fixed on the friendship a lot and you like stay invested is because something I noticed with American Pie, there are so many like cutaway bits, gags that feel like they're just like, oh, like this is where we cut away, do a quick scene for some laughs and then we get back. Whereas every single like you never really feel like. Superbad is taking its foot off the gas in terms of the plot. Like every single like hilarious moment that's happening, it feels like it's in the course of the story and doesn't really feel like a cutaway. The only one I can really think of as a cutaway maybe is when Slater and Michaels are messing with the car in the parking lot. That's like a bit of kind of like a cutaway because it kind of feels like, you know, when they're yeah. shooting the gun at like the stop sign and stuff. Yeah, I mean, American American Pie is slapstick. It's slapstick, slapstick. Exactly. And then I just think Superbad's more well thought through. It's more just 
high school, like legitimate high school experience. It's like the funny stuff that can happen from those like experiences. Obviously. And I think the, uh, and like, I think it's important to recognize it might sound like we're uh, a little bit passionate on American pie. One American pie, fun movie, good movie, really, really good. I like it. I think it's fun. And I think the important thing is like American pie, a movie like that had to come in order for super bad to come. Like there, there is no super bad. You can appreciate the movie. Exactly. You can appreciate it in that way, even if it's not your favorite. Uh, yeah, I, I think Animal House, like, is even though, like a farther back yeah. one that did the same type of thing for American Pie, just you know, giving way to create like a raunchy, almost extravagant, um, like description of what happens that is almost—it's just like amplifying what actually happens to like create entertainment. Where like, you know, Super Bad is obviously amplified, but it's just amplified enough that like it's very possible that stuff could be happening to you. You know? Yep. Totally. Uh, thinking about like, uh, again, like thinking about the scope of the movie, this is something that we've touched upon several of the characters already, but I think it's like one of the other things that I think like I keep gravitating to, and I think I know you do too, Garrett and John, is the amount of like small characters that yeah. play small roles, but are so memorable and so funny so much so that like, I was just going to go around and like say, who is your favorite, like small character yeah. that kind of doesn't have a lot of screen time, but like still is just hilarious and has some great moments. Uh, I'll, you can start John if you want. Um, well, I, I'll go first. I'll try to talk to so you guys. Cause I assume at least will probably is going to pick this guy as well. But obviously I think Joe Lotruglio, for those of you who don't know, that is he's the guy that hits, hits uh, Seth with his car and like his memorable performance or just like, everything's cool. Everything's cool. I'm cool. You know, <laughs> just like, you know, I, I think his, his character is phenomenal. Him in like inviting him to the party and then like getting beat up at the party. Just the whole, his whole actions, like the sketchy dude is just, I think he's phenomenal in it. Joe Latrulio, who's also in Brooklyn nine, nine for those of you who watched that show. He's Boyle as a Boyle in Brooklyn nine, nine. I just think that side character is probably in my opinion, the most important, like one that just gets like in there for a couple scenes then you're just done with them. Exactly. Know? But memorable for the but scenes he's in. Yeah. All right, Garrett, you're up. So I, I was going to say, Joe, as well, Francis, I thought that that character was awesome. But just to add a little bit more to the uh, to the topic, I really thought that the um, that the guy that uh, – when the, when Evan uh, gets locked in that room uh, with all the guys doing blow oh. and the guy that's doing blow oh. – uh, is, you know, coked out of his mind, like, thinks he recognizes Evan as, you know, somebody he knows. What's his name's brother? Exactly. And, like, I think, um, I, I don't think I had met anyone like that um, when I was in high school, or not probably until I was, like, you know, 20, 21 years old that I went to maybe some parties with some older people in mid-20s, late-20s. And, you know, that character exists. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, kind of like the scary <laughs> wild card guy that's really effed up you're not really sure what he's gonna do <laughs> you know it's funny like after the whole scene where he's like singing along with evan um he, he's actually the one that like tackles the main instigator of the fight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think i think uh, i think that character exists in real life quite a bit and it's a it's a dangerous person but you'll know when you see them because it, you know they're a little sketchy, probably doing some drugs, and like, yeah, just I, I thought that character was absolutely hilarious, and the guy that played it did a really fantastic job. I don't, I don't even know who he was, um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was hilarious. 
Yeah, well, uh, we'll talk. We'll talk off podcast about who I think that reminds us of from back at Haverford. But uh, well, well, I don't want to know who you're talking about. Yeah, for me, I already mentioned one of the guys I liked a lot in the uh, janitor, the the guest or the convenience store janitor, one of my favorites. Um, but right up there with him has to be the homeless man. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> the, the homeless man who, if you look on, and I believe, I might have to like, I might have to struggle to look this up, but I believe if you look up this guy's IMDb page, he has over 30 credits as homeless old dude. <laughs> um, Mr. Clement Blake. <laughs> Mr. Clement Blake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you look up his IMDb, it's just littered with him being like old dude <laughs> or old bum or old homeless dude. But he is hilarious. Again, I think we... <laughs> Homeless man, beggar, subway passenger, you know, homeless man, homeless guy. Like, wow, this, this is pretty wild. Talk about character yeah. actor. Typecast. Typecast. Yeah, you know. Um, but, like, uh, we said this word a couple times, but, like, I feel like this does apply to a lot of them in small characters. Wild card. Yeah. And, like, that guy is the definition of a wild card. He is uh, <laughs> he, uh, just – his scene alone in the bar is hilarious and how McLovin trips him and like, you know, they go nuts like McLovin saved the day, but just the bringing back of him into the, like the small, another like great moment of amplifying the small things is him at the bus when he knocks the gold slip vodka out of, uh, uh, I think is in Evan's hands. He knocks it out of Evan's hands and Evan tries to go catch it like that, like the use of like slow-mo in that scene like wasn't it was just hilarious not gratuitous it just felt great and it's like another case where they amplify the small things that seem big uh and that wouldn't be necessary without the bum without the homeless guy and i forget what is he, he calls he calls uh he calls mclovin mcmuffin or something like that <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you mcmuffin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know uh shouts to credit blake he passed away uh, Shout out for Monk on the po- on the pod. <laughs> He's been in uh, Malcolm in the Middle, Curb Your Enthusiasm, oh. X Files, oh. Freaks and Geeks. Wow. I mean, the guy's been on Seinfeld. Like, he's been all over the place and just like sitting under the radar. Um, and like, look, he's coming up now in 2020. Like, I just you know passed away years ago. Pretty awesome. He definitely has had an impact, which I think is. Oh, yeah, so cool. Talk about knowing your role. This is a great like sports thing, but like knowing your role and owning it. But like, yeah. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, yeah, six though. man off the bench. You know, exactly. he, this guy's the ultimate. You know, like, well, I three and D. He's like, the energy you know? guy. Yeah. But no, he is like that. Is that is such a great IMDb. Um, also, it took us. I think it took us about fifty five minutes in the podcast to get our first mention of freaks and geeks. Yes. This is a, a running, a running twice in a row. Let's exactly. keep it going. John is happy. One of John's cult favorites, <laughs> freaks and geeks. Um, also heavy, heavily influenced by the Apatow crowd, I believe, right? Oh, Freaks and Geeks? Yeah. It was Apatow. It's pretty, it's like Apatow's like first big thing, I believe. I mean, you have, you have, you have obviously Seth Rogen in it. You have Jason Siegel. You have Franco in it as well. Martin Starr. I mean, you just look at the list of all these, like the, I mean, those are four, probably the biggest names or the biggest commons in Apatow films here, right there. They're just missing like a Paul Rudd and a Steve Carell. You got to fully round it out, you know. Exactly. Maybe a Leslie Mann too. You know? I mean, <laughs> Throwing a Leslie Mann. And and while we're on like the subject of appetite, I just, I just wanted to pose a question. You know, who do we think 
the most important like Apatow or, or, or just honestly the favorite Apatow like actor. Favorite Apatow actor. Well, I think this is like, it's interesting because like talking about an Apatow actor, like there are just so many great ones in there that it's like, it, it doesn't feel like it's pigeonholing you to talking about Apatow, but about the people he works with. But I mean, my personal favorite always been Paul Rudd. Love Paul Rudd. Um, one of those movies that I was so glad that I got turned on to in college. Uh, I don't know if it was you, Garrett, or Tetra or someone is uh, I Love You, Man, who when you saw like the trailer for I Love You, Man, like it coming out, you could like you, it's one of those movies where you look at it and you're like, oh, like this doesn't look like that great a movie. So I always kind of had that intrinsic bias against it. But seeing it for the first time, hilarious. Love it. Another great catchphrase movie. Yeah. Um, and slap it a bass. Slap it a bass. Slap it a bass. Slap it a bass. And, like, also, like, another reason why I love it is it's because it is Rashida Jones at her Rashida Jonesist. You are a big Rashida Jones fan. I stand Rashida, Rashida Jones very hard. For all my New York listeners, you've seen all the Zenny uh, ads on the subway with her sporting the eyeglasses. It's made my commute a little bit better each day. <laughs> Uh, what, 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 what do you, who, who, sorry, I got the yips again. Um, uh, Gary, I'll go last. I'll okay, go last. Gary, you got a favorite Apatow actor? That's really difficult for me. Um, mainly because I, I mean, I love Seth Rogen, I love James Franco, <laughs> I love Will Ferrell, I love <laughs> Owen Wilson. Um, I mean, he's just like worked with so many incredible actors. Um, like, I mean, one of my top favorite movies is uh, Pineapple Express. Woo! Uh, Classic. Like, again, talk about, like, you know, similar like similar characters, just, like, unloading a ton of really high-powered actors that um, sort of busted into the spotlight 2010, 2011. Um, and I, I loved, I just absolutely loved that movie. Um, I, I guess Step Brothers is, like, a huge fan favorite. Um, talk about, like, a top-level Will Ferrell movie. So, I mean, I think it's hard for me to choose one. Um, I'd have to say maybe James Franco, mm-hmm. maybe Seth Rogen, those two. I think yeah, they're my favorite. I think definitely, obviously, no wrong answer here, but great. Because, like, I think the interesting thing about Franco is seeing how he, like, transitioned into – you know, how kind of he made that step into serious actor with 127 hours later and uh, or 127 hours and a couple other of his films in that like early 2010s period, but still seamlessly transitioned back into comedy with This Is The End and Disaster Artist. Um, so I think that's like... And the interview, too. And the interview, exactly. Uh, so like, I, I think that like, I think that's something that I've been really impressed with uh with Franco about like how he's kind of like seamlessly moved into these different kind of roles. Um, and obviously just like, I think like, I think he is shockingly funny and this is the end, just how great his performance is. Yeah, I agree. John. Uh, I think my, my favorite app it's a little, I, I, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Go and on. Jason Siegel. I think uh, I, love I love Jason Siegel. I think, well, pro- my favorite like Apatow character is Peter from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Well, yeah. I just think like, not only did he write like the entire movie, but like, I just think Forgetting Sarah Marshall, my, my take, it's the greatest rom-com of all time. Oof. It's, uh, you can't compete with it. It's got your good balance of both. Yeah. Um, and then as well as his character in I Love You, Man. Is also uh, one yeah. of like the best characters. Um, I just think those uh, two characters Sydney, are Sydney. ultimate, are ultimate Apatow characters. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, one of my favorite movies of all time. And then 
obviously growing up just on TV, I watched How I Met Your Mother. Like, you do like stand a normal home person. You, you do know, stand I, I do stand. I, I mean, I think it's one of those shows that, I mean, I just think it's really good. I think it's a, I mean, I, I can see reservations against it, but I think he does a really good job. And I just don't think Jason Siegel ever gets the real appreciation that I think he deserves as a as an elite Apatow actor. <laughs> Springboarding off of uh, your mention of Forgetting Sarah Marshall, you have to choose one Mila Kunis. It's Ted Mila Kunis or Forgetting Sarah forgetting Marshall? Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Mila Kunis. There's, I, I, I really don't think there's any competition there. You have Hawaiian Mila Kunis. Come on. Come on. Garrett, Garrett, weigh in. Glad because I was about to say Mila Kunis at her Mila Kunis est yeah. is yeah. her in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, yeah, and you're right. Underrated Hawaiian, uh, Hawaiian um, uh, I mean, Mila Kunis. I just got to say, I mean, the thing about Sarah Mar- Forgetting Sarah Marshall is Mila Kunis does so well that she takes away from Kirsten Bell. And that's Kirsten Bell we're talking about right there. I mean, yeah. how do you convince a man to get away from Kirsten Bell? <laughs> like, you just can't. Like, that, that, that's M- Mila Kunis. Only one, you know? Uh, something we touched about on the last podcast, uh, is, which is great that we had the springboard, is the idea of the Farrell McKay tandem passing the baton to Apatow in terms of like comedic writers in the in the late uh, 2010s. And if you look at the run that Apatow is on, like in the late 2010s, you absolutely cannot deny it. Uh, alongside with Superbad, forgetting Sarah Marshall, get him to the Greek. Producing credit in Bridesmaids. I'm not sure if he wrote in it, but Pineapple Express, get uh, This Is 40, Trainwreck, underrated, very, very underrated. funny movie, Trainwreck. Uh, the LeBron James performance in Trainwreck is honestly like it helped bring me around to liking LeBron oh, James I'm, again. Being being a Chicago Bulls fan all of my life, you know, I, I grew to hate LeBron James with a burning passion. After the decision. After the decision, after he went to the Heat. Also, didn't help that we thought maybe he was coming here, you know. Exactly. Very unlikely, but maybe. But uh, I think definitely you look at you, – you watch Trainwreck and you're like, okay, like how could I not love this guy? Like this, this like exactly. 6'10 guy, he's just hilarious, he's lovable, you know. So uh, so he's your Cleveland. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a very key time in getting LeBron James where he's just post coming back to Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so if you look at the run Apatow's on, like he – like Farrell pretty seamlessly passes him the baton in the late 2010s like and like this transition period where they're both making good movies between 20, 2007 and 2010 yeah. with – like you say, Brothers, Walk Hard, Knocked Up, Pineapple Express, Talladega Nights, uh, The Other Guys, and uh, Semi-Pro all happening in this sphere. I mean we're going to look back on it and kind of like – obviously we didn't realize it when it's happening. But we're going to look back on this kind of stretch and be like, wow. What a great time for just this comedy, you know, this comedy influx. Uh, oh, oh, like, from like, I, I would like from old school up until probably like other guys, maybe, or Bridesmaids, I would say. Like that run of movies from like Farrell and uh, Apatow. Apatow, unreal. It's unreal. And the interesting thing, which I like that like happened with Apatow coming in is he brought in new blood. He yeah. brought in new actors like we're talking about Jonah Hill, uh, Michael Sarah, introducing Jason Siegel and Seth Rogen into the mainstream. Whereas Farrell was working with uh, – Farrell was at some points the youngest guy in his crowd working with guys like Stiller, the Wilsons, etc. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 40-year-old yeah. so, yeah, virgin uh, 
you know, anchor and anchorman like coming out right around the same time, like, yeah. four or five, kicking and screaming. I mean, oh, like, don't get us started. But yeah, no. So I, I think it's like, and it's interesting trying to look to the person now who's taking that baton and who's running with comedy, because I feel like it's a little bit more of a fractured environment now in terms of who's running. Like obviously Apatow's still putting out movies. Farrell's still putting out movies and stuff like that. I'm not saying they're of the same caliber of what they put out here, but I think it's interesting kind of like thinking of who is going to take those reins and kind of run well, with it. And, I, yeah. My opinion. Yeah. I kind of like TV. I think he's, I don't know if you guys have seen, have you, have you guys seen Thor Ragnarok? I've seen Thor. Yeah, Absolutely. Thor, obviously. Fantastic movie. Um, I saw his uh, Jojo Rabbit. I also saw oh, okay. very good. I okay. think I think he's sort of right now, he's sort of moving the comedy into a different direction. Where I mean, he's not like – I mean, he's, he's sort of different than those two because these two are pretty much straight comedy. Like, yeah. Like he's more comedy with some element of drama or thriller into it. But yeah. I mean uh, – but I think the way that he's going in the movies that he's produced, I'd highly recommend watching any movie by him. You know, I think he he's really taking the reins right now. Yeah, Garrett, where does Ragnarok rank in your Marvel rankings again? Oh man, uh, it's definitely up there. Um, like they just do something completely different with the comedy. Yeah, hundred percent. Other and you know, and it actually like brought more comedy into the following Marvel movies. Um, but totally. Ragnarok is definitely <laughs> top five, or, like top maybe top three. Um, I really loved uh, Avengers Civil War. Um, I really I loved Endgame and I liked Infinity War. But mm-hmm. I kind of put them in their their own bucket because they're not really like uh, origin stories. Where you know Ragnarok is showing sure. Thor's path. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I think it's by far the best Thor movie of the oh, three. Hundred percent. And um, also, I, I, I'm pretty sure that he played. Didn't he play? He played Korg. He played. He played the rock guy. Oh, the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not enough pamphlets. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, he's great. I, I agree. I think Ragnarok's probably top three Marvel movie. That's yeah, out of the like whole whatever first storyline or whatever that's called. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of what my third is, but my top two are uh, in no particular order. My top two are that and Black Panther. I just love Black Panther. We can but like Ragnarok, and you're right. Talk about it resurrecting from the other two Thor movies. Oh, 100. Well, the first one, like it's it's it was fine. a Thor movie. It's a basic it's a basic Marvel movie. It's like okay, this is understandable. This is fine. The second one, from all I didn't see it, heard utter crap, utter crap. Even though it's got Natalie Portman in it, which is just so sad. Like it's, you, you hate to see that from Natalie, but then it really resurrected. Like I think that's what honestly what helped him come into it too was just because they're like. We have this throwaway pretty much in Thor because nobody wants to see it. Like the last one was crap. You take over. You do what you want. And he did. And he and he really he really I think he really switched things up. You could you could argue it was James Gunn in um, Guardians of the Galaxy that really also, changed yeah. things up for the Marvel, which he did. He definitely he a different humor, but it's Ragnarok. definitely different. But it's a, Ragnarok's a different humor, but it definitely Guardians definitely opened the door for Thor Ragnarok to do that though. Yeah, that's that's probably my top three as well. The original yeah. Guardians is definitely yeah. there. That music soundtrack can't be exactly. It's exactly. just incredible. Um, and and then also to give you know with Westworld like coming out to give like Tessa Thompson some love. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Is she Valkyrie? Uh, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she was gotcha. like she was just awesome in that movie as well. Just an absolute badass like female character. And not to take anything away from Natalie Portman 
it or anything. So like, <laughs> Please do. No. <laughs> Go in on it. Come on. <laughs> this is, we need to start pulling out the hot This is an anti-Natalie Portman place. Well, it's not. No, no it's not. It's not. Uh, you know, Star no, Wars. Like, just <laughs> don't get me started. Just the comparison. Like, mm-hmm. like, Valkyrie, she is just, like, such a badass. She, like, captures Thor in the movie. She ends up helping to fight, like, alongside him in the end. And she can, like, hold her own. Whereas you have, like, this Natalie Portman character that like, is yeah. basically just a damsel in distress so yeah I that was like a really cool addition apparently in the new thor movie though she She's will be playing back. female I thor I, apparently so i'm excited i'm excited we'll give i'll uh, give natalie another chance at the marvel world you know yeah talk talk about a badass female character though valkyrie just checks all the boxes yes uh Rag- ragnarok will definitely be i think episode 36 on the pod <laughs> something like that um okay now that we've gone through the marvel cinematic universe let's <laughs> reel it back in yeah come on back you know, to that. Pull, pull up pull up hike up hike up your uh skirts i guess yeah, and let's yeah. get back into uh super bad uh throw on evan's dad's shirt cowboy shirt or whatever it is you know <laughs> yeah. you're ready to go <laughs> okay well one of the things i forgot about which I, I can't believe we haven't talked about is the what is the funk song that is playing when i'm uh well awesome. the funk soundtrack is awesome but when they're walking off the bus like you said in the oh, cowboy yeah. shirt yeah. Is, it, is it too hot to stop yes i uh, think so <laughs> like what a great that's just such a um, phenomenal scene right there and just like the the they do a great job i feel like it's very easy kind of like i should say bait to like choose a lot of teenage songs and teenage maybe angsty rock songs to put in the soundtrack but apatow makes a great decision or of essentially foregoing that for just a classic kind of underground funk uh, soundtrack which yeah. really does a great job i think yeah you even got you got some roots in there i believe i believe they have a, they have a song on this oh. on the soundtrack stuff like that it's definitely it's a very interesting soundtrack you know but it's it's appetite i mean he's gonna he's gonna throw a little curveball yet a couple times exactly <laughs> throw up the number two um yeah, it, it definitely like uh, it def- that's like another way uh you know differs from pineapple or from uh uh, American Pie and like mm-hmm. just using all that really like angsty rock songs like I just remember you know a lot of American Pie is uh, like 182 yeah. and I mean I love that type of music it's great music but like it's just a complete different vibe than what you get in Superbad but like yeah Too Hot to Stop and yeah. the funky bass lines and like <laughs> just like the opening credit scene you get like a different you know with uh, Evan dancing it is yeah. shadow dancing like yep. just a completely different feel yeah, I mean it's it's definitely refreshing to watch it like a teenage movie and not have the middle by Jimmy World. You know, what I mean, like, as much as I love the song, you know, exactly. At no point they go like, "I bet you're wondering how I got here." You know, exactly. I mean, like, there's none of that in this movie. And it's refreshing. <laughs> the um, uh, the robot chicken Star Wars where the Emperor is falling down the crate. So, like, yeah. I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> The rewind. No, it's it definitely takes like a new approach at the like teen comedy movie. Yeah, especially in the, in aspect of its soundtrack. I think that's a good point. Agreed. Good thing to point out. Still a great Blink One Eighty Two appearance in American Pie. Oh yeah, and the monkey. <laughs> um. All right. Let's let's get into let's get into favorite scenes. Um. I'll kick things off to start. Uh. My favorite scene, I guess, can be uh summed up in two words. Uh, these eyes. Ah, God damn it. <laughs> I find another scene. <laughs> okay, well, you'll go last, but uh, yeah. favorite scene is clearly these eyes. By the guess who. By the guess who. <laughs> yeah. um, 
But I, I just remember, first off, I liked the song in general before the movie came out. But it is, like you said, Garrett, the specific crowd that gets in the Coke room <laughs> at that part of the party. Where you're just like, you can just like see it like Evan getting, <laughs> Evan getting trapped in and like trying to kind of like blend in the background. And like, who's that? <laughs> and then they're like, wait, that's Jimmy's brother. Um, you look like Jimmy, you're Jimmy's brother. Sing for us. And the, I just think the, um, uh, a great, no words said by this guy, but the facial expression of his cousin who came all the way from what? Yeah. Was it Australia or like? Something like that, I forgot. My cousin came all, all the, the way thing- from Arizona. My cousin came all the way for Arizona. I think I love the Wikipedia description of the scene is like, well, Evan is made to sing by some men high on cocaine. Like that, that, that's the scene. <laughs> it's also just like, they do the great job of making like, uh, I'm sure Michael Sarah might be able to sing as like an actor, <laughs> yeah. as a child actor. He probably has the, the chops to sing. They just make it so it's just bad enough where it's funny. Cry every night. <laughs> Just him like cutting in and out, uh, and also like if you watch rewatch the scene, the hand gestures he does are hilarious. In this, <laughs> I think he, I, I think he does like the finger wag, <laughs> like he's like backing up like Diana Ross or something. <laughs> um, but these eyes is just it is a great scene. Gets trapped. It's like sandwiched in a bunch of other great scenes, like the 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 uh, Seth dancing scene yeah. with uh, I think it's a uh, Big Popper. All right, what's the song called? The yeah. Notorious yeah. song. Yeah, it's by I love it when uh, they call me Big, but like that yeah, song yeah. again. Another instance of me acapelling songs <laughs> in the movies on the pod. Um, but yeah, it's sandwiched, and then the fight scene, which is great. Um, but I love that. Uh, I love that scene. I, I think these eyes is hilarious. Combination of a funny, uh, great song. I like funny scene great job by michael sarah the look on his face when they're like wait who's that and he's like trying to blend in like he's like touching like the window or something <laughs> yeah uh, so that's it for me uh gary you're up yeah um so i mean I, I love the entire movie so much so i'll just choose something really small but uh i love when fogel tells nicola what time it is uh the flashback when he um you know, he's walking down the hall. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. You know, she turns on and everybody just goes, it's 1033. <laughs> and, like, you know, he's all amped up to tell his boys he told her what time it was. I mean, like, I just, I can, I, I just can see myself, like, you know, you're doing something you shouldn't be staring at this girl or whatever. And then, like, the one thing you can think to do is tell her what time it is. It's random. And, and the best callback ever with the final scene, obviously with yeah. him in bed with uh, <laughs> with her. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was a phenomenal. Like it's in, it's in. 
just like that whole little mini relationship uh, is hilarious. And uh, yeah, I, and I think like, I, I don't know. It's just so funny. Like, you know, she turns around, he doesn't know what to do. I can like, you know, he's frozen in, in his tracks because this hot girl is looking at him. <laughs> and I can relate to that. And I th- I just, you know, I always have that in my mind. Like, every time I see it's 1033, I'm thinking it's 1033. Like, <laughs> it's just such an awesome scene. It's like the, it's like the cool it's like the cooler version of whenever chicks care about like it being October third because of uh, Mean Girls. Oh yeah, that's definitely the cooler version. It's definitely the cooler version. Um, And then I was just thinking about that the scene after Fogel's in bed with her. The best is uh, him like (laughs) that as uh, Michaels and Slater carrying him out, trying to make him look like a badass. You'll never take me alive. And like Michaels and like Slater are very half-hearted, like, "Oh no, he's out of control." (laughs) 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 All right, John, you've had time. All right, so I think. Since you took the uh, these eyes scene, which cry every night, <laughs> the hurtin's on me. <laughs> but uh, I think outside of that, I think it's when the when the worlds collide. When you have Officer Officer Michaels hit uh, Seth, or I think he hits he hits uh, yeah he hits, he hits Seth, Seth again He's with his police car. And I don't think I, I just there's like no. I think the cinematography of Fogel stepping out of that car and flicking the, the cigarette, cigarette. It's like, damn, this guy's sick. Like this guy's no <laughs> joke. And then, and then you just have Evan just gets up and runs. <laughs> and then as off as Seth Rogen just goes, I can't get you. He's the best kid alive. He's like, can you do something? Like he. It's, I think that that whole scene together, the whole like when they all come together, you have the officers finally meeting Evan and Seth, and then like Fogel, they all just dart. Like I, I think that's just a great scene. You know? uh, two things about that scene: one, how how high school is trying to store the booze in the detergent. Oh wow! How high school is that? Two, it's home to probably or it's that takes place with one of my. Got the yips again, guys. My that my favorite quote takes place in that scene, which is after they hit him. Yeah, Garrett knows that after they hit him, uh, they go back into the car, and <laughs> uh, I think it's a uh, it's a uh, Seth Rogen's character is like lighting up a cigarette. He's like, "Oh, McLovin, 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 have a smoke, McLovin, like short." <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like, tell you what, we're gonna say these kids aren't in front like crackheads, and uh, we're just gonna write this up. <laughs> uh, just the just him going, oh, McLovin, 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 McLovin. Uh, obviously, I think that, that that's my favorite quote. Um, and when uh, what's it called? I forget which one. I think it's uh, Seth Rogen's character fires. He's like, I'm gonna fire my gun to scare him. Yeah, it's just like he shoots it a couple of times. Like, Stop! <laughs> he's just like, man up. <laughs> he's in the car. He's just like yelling at him. Like, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, just that relationship, the hater Rogan. It's again, as we've said, untouchable. Like untouchable. You, you just don't get much better than that. Obviously. Bill Hader in any role, hilarious. Same thing with Seth Rogen, but those two together. Because I don't, I don't know if we've seen them do anything else really together outside of that, like them one on one, and that stuff is it makes the movie honestly. It the does. whole the side plot of it, it's it's great. It's what makes it believable when they say yeah. like they were going to write it about the cops' perspective because they have yeah. such great lines written for it. Yeah, them. it makes you want the cops. Like it makes <laughs> you want this to be like you want a second film, and it's, it's like just the it's cops. the cops, you know. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal i guess now we can talk about the ending which i think the ending like 
like the pat the last like five to ten minutes have probably zero jokes in them. Oh, the, the mall scene. Yeah, the mall scene, yeah. and like, and no, and Evan and Seth sleeping over doesn't, oh, yeah. doesn't like Seth spoon him or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they spoon. I think, <laughs> but I think that's a. I think that's just such like a great ending. I think one of the one of the downfalls of the quote unquote '80s like raunchy comedy, and like to some extent, I think American Pie kind of. Uh, follows the same trope is the ending everything's resolved and you kind of like know what each character is doing yeah uh whereas the i wouldn't call it a cliffhanger but like kind of the like that uh that like that ending where it's a little bit ambiguous i think it i think it really really does capture the movie spirit well and i think it just does such a great i i i really can't say enough about the ending even though like i said there aren't many jokes there i don't think there are any real jokes in that ending like scenes but how just logical great fun how much it makes me like the movie more and how much it's just like you know we don't know what happens to seth evan and vogel but like we can guess or we can like imagine or this is just as good an ending as if everything was just spoon fed to us you know well yeah it's like the you have the classic you know when you have the teen comedy the guy gets the girl and like they have the scene and it's and it's about the guy and the girl at the end and in this case it's sort of but not really it's more about like we said early on it's what differentiates it from um, American Pie. It, the like the scene where they go back together and it's just Evan and Seth. Yes, like that's that's what it's all about. It comes down to the bromance, not really to the romance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 then uh, I think you know another cool thing is it finally comes full circle where like they're such good friends and they know that they're going to be best friends forever and that they're able to. At the end, you know, they split up on the escalators and go with, like, their individual girls. And, um, you know, like, Seth is okay with that. And Evan is okay with that. And, like, I think it puts a real nice bow on sort of the character journey for both of those people. And, like, being able to be independent and going to college. And, like, sort of what that says about, you know, seniors graduating. Um, I thought that was, like, really awesome and sort of stuck out to me. Yeah, and I think, like, it's – and I think, like – the the whole movie a lot like you said being about the relationship it's about the forces that are trying to like the forces that are at some way out of their control some way in their control that are taking evan and seth maybe farther apart or that might seem like they're coming in between them um but the like you said garrett the ending is the realization that no like obviously like going to different colleges seems like a big thing when you're 18 years old and your best friend goes somewhere else we've all had it none of us went to college with all of our best friends you know like some of us like i did i went to college knowing no one john went to college knowing one One mainly one person garrett you probably didn't know like that many kids coming to haverford either right no exactly so like no exactly so like no one no one goes to like school with their best friends and it always seems like the end of the world at some point when these people you've been hanging out with for years like diverge and split up but it's just it's going to be okay like there's summer break there's like winter break obviously but it's like you friendships that you forge in high school still are going to matter and i think that's that's what you touched on beautifully garrett is that like they're all throughout stuff's trying to like tear them apart but you just realize they're just great friends and great friends stick together oh oh Exactly. Got me in tears over here. Well, you're the one with the great line. It's about the bromance, not the romance. Dude, it's, it's true. I mean, I mean, I think it's, it's highlighted because isn't it by uh, well, Seth and Evan in real life? I mean. Yeah, they didn't so go to the same school. They didn't go to the same school. They're making this movie together, you know. I think that's that's pretty great. You know? Exactly. I think that's why it ends on something like that because, like, this is it's it's realistic. And you see this happening, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. You know, when I, when I, when I, when I knew we were talking about this, I definitely thought we, I mean, obviously love the movie. Awesome. I thought it was just going to be more like us discussing kicking and screaming John, where we were just kind of laughing through the whole thing. But just when you talk about this, we talk about the characters and you talk about like the plot and the overarching themes of friendship and coming of age and growing up and, you know, being a kid who's trying to get away with stuff and like these things that we all go through as young people and stuff like that. It's, it, it, it really, I'm, I'm shocked at how touching this movie made me feel right now. Yeah. Also, I just, yeah, I, agree. I just, I mean, just looking at the cast, I mean, outside of Dave Franco, obviously, but like, you just look at this cast and like, if you would ever see these like actors in real life, you know, you, the, you would bring up to like every single one of them. Oh, super bad. I, I like loved you in super bad. I loved you in super bad. I loved you in You know, Superman. from, from Jonah Hill to Bill Hader, Tama Stone, like, like, oh, and everybody in between, like, especially, well, obviously, Fogel, you're going to obviously, yeah. if you he probably seen, hates it the most. Yeah, he probably, he's probably tired of it. Maybe Michael Saris too, because he probably only gets arrested development in this, but you know, <laughs> I mean, the fact, the fact is you're going to go up to all these actors. Oh, like you may have your list, but super bad is on that list, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which just, Shows that all, it all got them at the perfect moment in time, like with the perfect kind of director to shoot this, with the perfect kind of friendship that's the backdrop, Evan and Goldberg and Seth Rogen. Um, and it just created a movie that really like, uh, you talk about like a, a, you talk about a teenage centered movie being timeless. This seems like one that could be timeless. The same way, like, uh, I don't know, the same way, like, other other movies, like, talking about, you know, these similar subjects can be timeless. Like, I feel, I feel like it's so tough for comedies to test, stand the test of time just because how it's evolving. Um, but at least now, 13 years later, this certainly stands the test of time. And especially when you think about, I mean, this is something we could probably go on for a while talking about. But you think about the effect that, I guess, for lack of a better word, PC culture has had on the past five years of comedy and how comedy has had to be really fluid and shift um, and how some of the movies before this kind of PC culture or this awareness, social awareness took over America's consciousness. Um, some of them in the past before this kind of moment in time kind of are look back not as favorably or stuff like that. Superbad is one that definitely holds up and is funny then, was funny then, is funny now, is just like I said, holds up, stands the test of time. Um, and I think that's just something that's really remarkable about the movie. Yeah, I, I think, like, you know, there's nothing ever came out about how things age poorly in it. it it's uh, whether that's luck or just how well Judd did on directing it or how well it was written. I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not sure, but, like, it is. it has not been dated. It's still hilarious now. It's just enough, you know, shock valued that you need and uh, I mean I think that's what makes it great and the only thing like for me the reason why you know I really the main reason why I really wanted to bring it up is because this this was a movie my sophomore year in college that I used to watch as something that I would go to bed to or <laughs> something I'd put in the background something I wanted you know to make myself feel good um and it sort of like it just resonated in my heart like that way and for, for a movie especially a comedy to have that type of effect on someone and on me, I think is really rare. You know, you're usually expecting entertainment and, and like, you, you're expecting laughs as opposed to something that you sort of feel in your heart and makes you feel good. And um, I think, like, Superbad, you know, it really did that for me. And to talk about, you would think that, like, the only way that happens that you could watch it continuously is if there's something that held it together more than the jokes. 
because jokes are never as good as the first time you hear them. You can like, obviously like a lot of these are love and they'll always think are funny, but jokes are never as good as the first time you hear them. But that relationship and the story that holds together super bad, that's what keeps you coming back. And I think that's like the most telling thing. Uh, that's like the best compliment you could give, you could give the movie possibly Garrett and uh, living next to Garrett's sophomore year. I definitely remember my fair share of times walking in and never once was I bummed to see super bad on the screen. <laughs> Sometimes I'd be like, Oh, super bad again, but I'd never actually be bummed. It'd just be awesome. Like, oh, super bad. I'll sit and watch. Exactly. <laughs> oh, they're about to, they're about to go to the liquor store. Okay. I, have okay, to, I, I can, can watch this. this. <laughs> it's like it contributed very much to me never going to bed on time uh in my old apartment it would just be like i would see they'd be watching super bad and i'd be like well now i have to stay for another 30 minutes <laughs> uh, john now that you are you're still in college where uh you know graduated what do what do you like i guess watching this movie again like what is what is this like does this make you more excited to go back to school next year? Does it make you more like, I mean, like, does it make you kind of cherish these moments more? Cause I think it's something, so, something that we kind of looked at in time and we're just like, yeah, like obviously we're older than these guys, but we're just, you know, palling around with these guys and like the party and like worrying about the party and the party going well, what happens after the party? Like, I don't know. How does this, how does like looking at it with a little bit of perspective change, like the way you think about like your college experience? It's interesting. First I want to bring up, I, I was just very excited to see that I was on the Apatow actors list on IMDb. Very happy to see Joe Lotrulio made the list. I just had to point that out. Like, way to go, Joe. <laughs> he makes some stellar appearances and some solid Apatow flicks. But uh, back to, I mean, back to the question. I mean, it's interesting. I just think, you know, I don't think, I think there's like, there's something great about the night after like a college party or like you guys didn't have date parties or anything like that. No, we did. You guys didn't really have. <laughs> Shut up. We had, we had a we, had, okay. we, we would go with the female sports teams. They would be oh. our. Oh, okay, yeah. Good for you guys. Go hemp. You know, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm the lady in the Hummer. You're you're Will Ferrell in the Prius. You know, go hemp. Okay. That's cute too. That's cute. But uh, I I just don't, I think like the best the best time like I mean obviously it's fun in the moment but there's just like nothing better than like waking up the next morning and the, I live with like five other guys and like. Nothing better the than decompress. everybody congregates the downstairs de- oh. and you talk about what happened. Garrett. And you just laugh and you like and you just like remember there's always somebody that doesn't remember, so that's phenomenal. <laughs> like I mean, like who who it is that time, you know, you know, only you know, it's a whatchamacallit, it's a... I don't know. A rundown? No, I was just gonna say it's it's Russian roulette of, of who who's the one of who's the one that forgot everything. Usually it's a consistent character of who who who's who's the guy that like oh there's no way he remembered this night again, you know. But uh I think that's what it, rem- it reminds me of, as well as like still like when I hang out with like my high school friends, it's just like you talk you talk about like those good old times, you know, like oh that one party or like do you remember that time that he had people over? <laughs> Not the first time, the second Thinking time, time yeah, you know. Exactly. Like, you like, know every single like you know every single party yeah, that mean, ever happened in high yeah, school. Yeah, exactly. Like and um, um I just think like going over that and like just being like, Oh god, like super bad and you like tie it into super bad, like, oh like as well as you know, still I still use the GIF of uh, well, fuck me, right? Like, like Jonah Hill, like which is almost which that as well as the one with with him and forgetting Sarah Marshall as well. You know, he has fuck me right with super bad and forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's like I'll just go fuck myself. Like, I mean, like phenomenal. Like it's yeah. just stuff like that tying it in. It obviously, makes me miss it a bit. You know, yeah. not to be there right now. Hopefully, not to be, be that back guy. There. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Thank Jeez. God I got another year. Exactly. Shout out to all the seniors. Sorry guys, you know, no graduation. It kind of sucks, but you, and no no formal, but you know. Hey, what? What? I, I have no guy. I, I have no soul. Right? No concession. No concession. Like I just feel bad. Like, uh, yeah. Two things about what you said. One, Garrett and I definitely were on the receiving end of a lot of those like uh, rundown sessions, yeah. especially in Garrett's apartment in the B. Uh, it would be like I would specifically remember because I would walk in at 11 a.m. like an hour before I'd head out for like mass that day, and it would be everyone would come in. For some reason, Ben Ford would be there, even though Ben didn't live at the apartment. <laughs> yeah. Like Ben would be in there before I did, and I lived like two doors down, and Ben lived like a ten minute walk away. And just like Ben's there for some reason. Um, I, I think that was my my pride and joy was I'm usually the guy that recounted. That's like that's yeah. where I get my chops. You that's know? right. That's you know, I come in, I come in, I take out people left and right. You, know? <laughs> you did that. You did I go that. in for that. Like no, like like somebody's laughing. Oh wait, dude, wait till you realize what you did. Like and then like and then like coming out. Like you know like, that's that's where I really that's where I make my money. The other thing that reminds me of of that what you said that like reminded me of a point is that you have like even though you when you're in college every single time you go and hang out with your high school friends back home it feels like high school because you're doing the same things you're in someone's basement you don't no one lives on their own so it is kind of funny how those same beats get replayed they're a little bit different and obviously i guess you could say a little sadder because you're kind of doing the same thing but you're like three years older but it's like that's like what kind of keeps that like kind of nostalgia and also fast keeps the friendships going obviously and stuff like that. But like it creates that familiar feeling. Cause you're like, Oh geez, I'm an, I'm an, I'm an oldies basement again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like, like I'll be playing golden tea in the lead better basement, you know, exactly. just like playing like that or like playing FIFA, like every, like one of my good friends, Jack Lister, if you're out there. Yeah. Good to see you, buddy. See you. <laughs> he exactly. lives out in Nevada now, but whenever we get like, like he's back in town. We always get like, there's a group of four of us. You get the crew. Go. We go play like a couple games of FIFA, you know, whether that's to pregame going to a bar now or something like that, you know, it's Ooh, still like 21 John yeah, plays by new uh, rules. Beaumont's how we doing? <laughs> McGee's. Uh, I know you're out there. <laughs> uh, phenomenal. All right, Garrett, any final words on the movie? Nah, just, uh, you know, was super excited to be able to talk about it. I, I think, like, for people that, uh, you know, haven't really analyzed it or watched it many times that, you know, they don't have the same respect. So it's really cool to be able to get a little bit deeper into it and uh, sort of flush out, you know, the really cool tropes and characteristics that it brings to the table. And, uh, and thanks for having me on the pod, too. Oh, Garrett. that. Anytime, anytime. You know, originally on our first episode, we said that uh, at the end of the first episode, we said Billy was going to be the next host. Uh, he bailed. Uh, <laughs> Garrett was always planned on being on the podcast, but Garrett got moved up to the number two slot. So you came in second, just past our brother, our flesh and blood, Andrew Fox. How does yeah. that make you feel? Uh, I'm pretty anti. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Garrett, Garrett, yeah. Uh, I mean, when, we, when Will told me, it was super bad or scary monsters and nice sprites. I'm like, this can be good. Yeah, no, like, like this is this is gonna be solid. Those are two things that you can talk. I can talk about, you know. So, and of course, you know, if you if you haven't seen Super Bad, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why? Or if you haven't listened to Scary Monsters and uh, Nice Sprites, why? Why? Like, like, like did you get there? Let your ears get a little bit of a beat down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you learn too. Yeah, if, if you haven't had that oh my god screamed into your yes, ear yet, oh like, like, what are you doing? Like, did you go through, were you 13? Like, like, did you go through 7th and 8th grade? Like, what happened? <laughs> right. yeah. Good times all around. Thanks so much. For John, Garrett, I'm Will. Thanks so much, Garrett. 
Thank you. Thanks, John. Signing off. Are you reeling in the yeast? Stowing away the time. Are you gathering up the tease? Have you had enough of mine? Are you reeling in the yeast? Stowing away the time. Are you gathering up the tease? Have you had enough of mine?